Good morning, Booker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. This morning, uh, Parsha class is generously sponsored. The series is sponsored by Abeke and Avi Katz and family in memory of David Grossman, Leila Nishmas, David Menachem Manish. This morning, Shir has many co-sponsors as well, to whom we're all so grateful. Hello, Shuster, in memory of Yaakov Tzib Menashe Shuster, who would have loved and argued with Rabbi Goldberg's Torah insights every week. It's true, he would have. I knew him. And Rabbi Richard and Louis Biller, in memory of their beloved mothers, Ethel Raff, Ita Bas Aryelev Halevi, whose Yurtzad is tomorrow, and Ella Biller, Ethel Bas Tzvi, whose Yurtzad and Vav Nisan, thank you so much. By Sharon Wenger and Jonathan Wenger, in loving memory of their dear husband and father, Bruce Wenger, Dov Ari Ben Yisrael, and his seventh Yurtzad. By Marilyn Jeremy Strauss, my dear friends, in memory of their dear friend, Bruce Wagner, whose Yurtzad was yesterday, Ms. Neshama Havan Aliyah. By Brenda Goldbrenner, in memory of her father, Moshe Ben Avram. Uh, on his 20th year at Zaydis, Neshama Shedav and Aliyah. And finally, for a happy occasion by the Lynn family, who sponsored in honor of their dear friends, Larry and Deborah Halperin. Sunday night, we had a beautiful, magnificent shul dinner. And among our journal honorees were Larry and Deborah. The Halperins are incredible, extraordinary people. And the Lynns are so generous in sponsoring, being excited for you to have received this very fitting honor from our shul and community. They lead by example, continue shining the light of Hashem on so many and having bracha and atzlacha. Thank you to our many sponsors this morning and thank you to all of you who participated in our global campaign. I'm not going to speak about it today because we met 106% of our goal. Unlike the Mishkan, it's not the Hoser. There's nothing extra or leftover. You can still give if you haven't yet. We always welcome more. But tremendous gratitude to all those who made it a success. Thank you if you benefit from our content, if you listen, watch, or read, and enjoy. We are very, very grateful for your partnership. We have the privilege this week of beginning a new book in the Torah, the third book of the Torah, Sefer Vayikra, page 544, in the Art Scroll Stone, Chumash. Vayikra el Moshe, vaydeber shem elav me'ol moed le'mor. God called, he summoned Moshe from the old moed, saying, Daber al Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. The Amarta Aleim and tell them Adon ki Yakrav mikem korban l'Hashem. When an individual offers, when they bring a korban to Hashem, here are the details. Here are the rules. Here are the laws. My new copy of Otsar Plos Torah did not come yet, so I cannot share any insights from it. But I did get another safer. Good uh, friend Yudi Gross. Gratitude for getting me this set. It's an incredible, incredible set of svarim called Imros Tahoros by the Rachma Shritzer Rebbe. And there are tremendous, tremendous Hasidic insights, beautiful insights into the parsha. And he starts off, listen carefully, it's a beautiful, beautiful Torah. He says the following, he's quoting from the Mori Naim of Menachem Nachum of Chernobyl, the first uh, of the Chernobyl dynasty, the Tverskis. The Mori Naim says the following, the Aleph Zira, open a Chumash, look inside the art scroll, you'll see the Aleph is small. We've studied this many, many times, but every year we want to revisit it and offer new insight. There's a tradition, we start teaching children, Children start learning Chumash from Sefer Vayikra, the Aleph, Zeir, the small Aleph, like small school children. It's a hint, it's an illusion. That's where they should begin. And in the past, we've developed that seems like the worst idea ever in all of human history. Start teaching children Sefer Vayikra, the most monotonous litany of minutiae, detailed, archaic laws that are not relatable at all today. That's, if you want to turn off a generation of children, start teaching them from Sefer Vayikra. So why was that the custom? Why was that the tradition? You'll have to listen to previous shiurim. We spoke about it in the past. The Aleph Zeira. And we spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu and his humility, Vayakar Vayikra, wanting to look like it was random, it was chance, it was happenstance. He left off the Aleph, just like the word that appears with Bilam. Hashem says, no way, absolutely not. You'll write it the way I dictate it. And they compromised. They compromised with the small Aleph. All this we spoke about in the past. But the Morei Naim, the Chinol Berebe, deals with a different question. It says, Vayikra El Moshe. He called to Moshe. Stam, Who called? It's a very odd way to begin a book. It's a very odd way to begin a parsha. Vayikra El Moshe. He called Moshe. My wife sometimes... We are incredibly aligned and attuned. We're two halves of a whole. We have a beautiful marriage. But she often will start a story or a sentence with, so I said to him, so she said to me, so this is, I said, I- I'm not in the middle of your thought process. I don't know what we're talking about over here. Beep, 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 back up the truck and start again. What, are we, what story are you telling me? What are we talking about? What are we in the middle of discussing? So Vayikra El Moshe, third book begins, and he called to, 
Yeah, who? Who called to Moshe? Who's he? Who's he? And then we catch up. So Vayikra El Moshe, he called to Moshe, Vaidaber Hashem love, and God spoke to him. Mimidaber, only now do we say who's speaking. Vyosar Yaroy Lichtov, what would have made much more sense to write? Vayikra Hashem Moshe Vaidaber love. God called Moshe and he spoke to him. Hashem's name seems out of place. It shouldn't be Vayikra Moshe Vaidaber Hashem love. It should be Vayikra Hashem El Moshe Vaidaber love. It's a great question. And he explains at length, we'll try to summarize and only highlight some parts of it. He says, Kodesh Baruch Hu loves all the Jewish people. He loves each and every one of us. He loves all of his creations. And he's mitzamtzim himself. Even though he is infinite and omnipotent and he is the source of all, sometimes he constricts and restricts himself in order to have a presence down here on earth to dwell near and in each and every one of us. In fact, that's one of the names that we have for him. What are we looking for? The end of the book of Shmos, Galas Tegula, building a Mishkan was all to give him a dwelling place. Hashras Ha Shechina. We want contact with the divine. One of the names we have for the divine is Shechina. Why Shechina? What's the root of the word Shechina? Shachin, neighbor. Like a good neighbor, Hashem is there. Hashem is always there. The Shechina, he's a Shachin. The king, the president, the person in a position of power, they're not your neighbor. They're not available, they're not accessible, they're not next door. But Hashem wants to be, He wants a hashra, He wants a dwelling down here, a dira betachtonim. He's a shachain. He's a loving neighbor. He's accessible. You could borrow flour from Him or a quart of milk or He has a lend, lend a listening ear. Shechina is milashon shachain. The level of a relationship we should have, of course, is awe and admiration and a healthy dose of fear. We're going to get to that today. But also, Shachain, he is a neighbor, accessible, relatable, loving, close. So, even the most wicked person has access to and a connection with Hashem. Hashem wants to send us a message. He wants to make His presence known. He wants to invite us to have a relationship. Sometimes a person is living life and they don't realize that, you know, the universe, the Almighty, He's calling. He's sending signals. He's sending messages. He's inviting us to have an intimate and affectionate connection. But sometimes we're so caught up in our lives, we're so caught up in getting to the end of each day that we don't hear the signal. We don't hear the message. We don't see Him. Only later does something significant happen in our life that rattles us or shakes us, that makes us examine our lives and now motivates and stimulates us to do tshuva, to come close, to change, to transform. As only then do we begin to contemplate and look back reflectively, retroactively, how he was revealing his hand. He was sending those signals. He was speaking and calling to us all along. And only then do we realize, I got fired that job. This didn't work out. I was delayed that flight. This door closed. This door opened. This thing happened. You know, that was all from Hashem. He was sending me a message. He was sending me a signal. He was trying to wake me up. He was inviting me to have a connection. And that's what it's selling us. Listen to this gishmak, beautiful insight. The Helega Morinayim of the Chernobler. Vayikra Moshe Aleph Zi'ira. Aleph Ulashon Aluf. The letter Aleph is Aluf, is the mighty general. Remez Hashem is Barachshu Alufo Shel Olam. This is an allusion to God, who is the Aleph, the one, the only, the singular, who is the Alufo Shel Odom. Shalom. He is the general. He is in charge. He is in control of the entire world. Zira. The aluf chooses to be Zair. Zira. He constricts himself. He restricts himself. He appears small and hidden and behind the scenes, sending the signal. So Vayikra El Moshe, Vayikra. Sometimes before God speaks to us explicitly, before we can hear Him calling, 
Sometimes Vayikra with a small Aleph, he's behind the scenes. Sometimes he's sending a signal, but he's small, he's hidden, he's hiding. The Aleph, the Aluf, is Zeira, or the last days of Adar. Mishinechnas Adar, Marba Mesimcha, I quote every year from all the Rebbes. Mishinechnas Adar, Aluf, Dar. When we enter not the month of Adar, but when the theme that the Aluf, that the one and only God, Dar, he lives in us, Mishinechnas, when it enters us, Marben Besimcha. You want joy? You want happiness? Stop thinking you control this world. You even control your life. Stop taking credit. Stop taking responsibility. Stop taking blame. Let go and submit and surrender to Hashem. Mishenichnas, when it enters you, Adar, Alavdar, that the one and only God lives in us down here where we could see Him behind all that's happening, then Marben Besimcha. Then you'll be joyous. Rashi says that Simcha goes from the beginning of Adar until Pesach. Six weeks, not just Mishinichnas Adar. It's when you enter Adar until Pesach. So the fact that this week is Rosh Chodesh Nisan doesn't mean, I guess we can go back to being miserable. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, Adar's over. Enough with the smiles. We can walk around for Bissana, miserable, frowning, negative, hypocritical. Baruch Hashem, we can go back to our default. No. Mishinichnas Adar, from when we enter Adar, Zagdar Ashi, until, all the way, until Pesach. Until Pesach. So again, the Aleph Adar, Aluf Dar, Vayikra, small Aleph, Aleph Zira, the Aluf appears Zira, Vayedaber Shemelav, Mikan Veelachu Margish Baalil Shakadish Borchu Koro Soli Lovis Borach Shemo, Leairo Laoro Bohoyom Vyom Lasur Midera Rav Lachas Bidera Hatov. Every year, every Jew, no matter how close, no matter how far, no matter how high, no matter how low, no matter what position we are in life, Hashem is calling us, Vayikra. Sometimes it's an Aleph Zeira. The Aluf is Zeira. He appears small. Where is he? Is that him? What signal is he sending? And only when we grab on, only when we extend the antenna, only when we pick up the signal, then Vayidaber Hashem a love. Then Hashem shows his hand. Now we know he's the one who's speaking to us. So that's how the Mori Naim says to read the beginning of the Parsha. And that answers the question. Vayikra el Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem love. It should have said Vayikra Hashem el Moshe, Vaydaber love. Why does Hashem's name not appear till later? Because the Aleph Zeira, the Vayikra, the calling, sometimes seems small and hidden. You have to pick up the signal, and only when you do, Vaydaber Hashem, now you'll see Hashem everywhere. Now you'll hear Him calling everywhere. Now you'll be in conversation and dialogue with Him all the time. The Heligab Hashem Tov, had a similar concept and idea. It's quoted by everybody. Chazal tell us, Mishnah Navos, the Zohar says, Bechol yom vayom, each and every day, Bas kol yotzes mehachorev, Mechrezes v'omeres, Shuvu banim shovavim. Every day a heavenly voice goes out from Har Sinai and says, Return, return my children. And the Baal Shem Tov wondered, Memonavshach, in halachic terminology, Lamdas terminology, Memonavshach. If you could hear the Bas kol, then why don't we hear it? And if you're not capable of hearing it, what's the point of it going out? Every day since Harsinai, a baskol goes out, a heavenly voice goes out and proclaims, come home, come back, return, improve, repair, redeem. Well, if it's capable of hearing it, why don't we hear it? And if we're incapable of hearing it, what's the point of it going out? Eza toelas yesh mimena b'mashayotzes, says the Baal Shem Tov, you know that little pintle yid, that positive spark, that good voice inside you, the positive urge and instinct that you say, you know what? I'm going to make it to Minyan today. You know what? I had a good juicy piece of Lashonara. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to show discipline and dignity. You know what? I'm going to go to the shir. You know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. I'm going to improve. I'm going to be better. I'm going to try to be mindful and be patient and not get angry. That internal instinct, that little pintalayid, that little voice that says you can and you should and you will and this is your year and we can be better, that's the baskal. That's Hashem calling. Hey, come home. I miss you. Talk to me. Come home to me. Enter this relationship. Be invested again with me. 
That's the Vayikra El Moshe. It's an Aleph Zeira. The Aluf, Aluf Shel Olam. The Ribbon Shel Olam appears small as he calls to us. It's very subtle. It's very nuanced. It's often hidden. But he's calling out to us. And he says, come home. And the question is, are we, are we listening? Are we picking up? Are we picking up the signal? That is the first idea from the Helega Rachmishritzka, whose name is impossible to pronounce, quoting from the Morenayim. Then Pasuk Beis goes on. Pasuk Beis tells us, what is the message that God had? He tells Moshe, speak to the Jewish people. And tell them, if a person offers a korban, Lashem, Offer it from the behema, from the bakar, from the, from the tzon. Do you see something strange happening in this pasuk? Do you pick up on, do you notice a shift? Notice a shift, what shift? Anyone? What's happening here? The Orach Lachayim points out, there's a shinoi lashon. Odom ki yakriv, pasach bolashon yachid. Thank you. We start out with singular. Adam, person, Singular, individual, ki yakriv, when you individually bring a korban, and then as the pasuk end, takrivu es korban chem, you in the plural offer your korban. We're meant to read the Torah thoughtfully. We're meant to pick up on these shifts, these changes, and to wonder why, to ask questions. What motivates and stimulates our commentaries, even though in medieval times their tradition was simply to write the comment, they give answers without the question. But they were moved by a question, and we should be too. So why do we start with Lashon Yachid? Adam ki yakriv, and we conclude Lashon Rabim mikarb takrivu es karbanchem. So he explains the following. He says, A Jew before every mitzvah needs to think to themselves, I don't live in this world by myself. I'm not alone. I'm not isolated. It's not all about me. How can I live with and connect with and feel united and together with others? We're all part of one big matrix. We're all part of one big community. We're all part of one big am. You know, the Arizal is quoted in Shara Kavanos. The Arizal said, before a Jew begins davening every morning, they should say, Hareini mekabel al-atzmi mitzvahs v'yahavta l'recha kamocha. I accept upon myself to fulfill the commandment to love a fellow Jew as I love myself. You can't get up and daven for yourself. You can't think only about your needs, your wants, what you're missing. The prerequisite to davening, your prayer has to be predicated on, I see and I look and I notice and I care about the people around me. Says the Orach Lachayim, that's the pshat and the shift here. A Jew who longs to, who wants to come close to God. What's the root of the word korban? Karov. A korban is not some ancient, barbaric sacrifice. A korban is the desire, the yearning to come close to God. I once wrote a whole article because there was a... Whenever someone says, as an Orthodox rabbi, you should be suspicious. But I once wrote a response. Somebody wrote, as an Orthodox rabbi, why they're against korbanos and they're a vegan and they don't long for the return of korbanos and trying to explain that korbanos won't really return. No criticism of vegans or vegetarians or those who for health reasons or other reasons don't eat. However, we daven every day for the return of korbanos. It's not barbaric. It's not uh, something which is archaic or ancient. It's symbolism. It's beautiful. It's what these parshios we're about to read are all about. There's an animal in us, and we're a human being, but we're also made up of an animal instinct and animal impulse. And when offering that korban, we are essentially saying to ourselves and to Hashem that we're offering the animal inside ourselves. God, in this incredible battle, in this tension, in this war between the animal and me, the animal in me that wants to eat like an animal and leave my room like a pigsty and wants to be undisciplined, and just wants to give in to my urge, like an animal, I will defeat that animal, I will slaughter that animal, I sacrifice that animal to you. The fats of indulgences, and the wine of luxury, and the water of simplicity, and every part of the laws surrounding karbanos are all symbols of the mindfulness the one bringing the karban would go through this education, this curriculum, they would go through, 
in order to improve and to better themselves. The root, so the root of the word korban is karov. It is a desire, a longing, a yearning. Hashem, I want to come close to you. And I know that the barrier between me and you is my animal impulse. What makes me neglect you and dis be disobedient to you, what makes me sabotage my own relationship with you is this animal impulse and instinct. So Hashem, I'm going to be sovereign. I'm going to reign supreme. My godly soul, my godly spirit, my sense of discipline and dignity will defeat the animal inside me. And that's why I'm offering this sacrifice, this symbol, this statement that I, off that I offer you. Says the Orach L'chaim, that's what's going on over here. The, the individual who wants to get close to God. Today, in lieu of Karbanos, we have Tfilos. I want to stand up. I want to daven. I want to pour out my heart. I want to confide. In order to do so, you first need to connect with the greater Jewish people. Takrivu es korbonchem. So now reread the Pasuk. You, the individual, want to get close to God. First, first, you have to you have to connect with the Kla Yisrael. First, you have to care about the community. First, you have to be part of something bigger than yourself. The prerequisite to connecting to Hashem is caring about and connecting with and being part of something bigger than you. The Al Shech HaKadosh has a different interpretation. He says, So we asked, why do we shift from Lashon Yachat to Lashon Rabbim? Why does the Pasuk go from the singular to the plural? One answer, the Orach L'chaim. Answer number two, the Ashech HaKadosh. You know why? Because every time someone in the community makes a mistake, shows poor judgment, has a fail, we're all collectively responsible. If we would have reached out, if we would have connected, if we would have inspired, if we would have offered to learn together, if we would have been better role models ourselves, if we would have been non-judgmental and loving and warm and embracing, if we would have acted differently, they wouldn't have felt pushed away or judged. They wouldn't have thought so little of themselves to act in that way. So every individual who makes a mistake, everyone really needs to bring a carbon for the fact that it is an indictment of us that we failed as a community to that individual to have been a better role model, better teacher, better chavrusa, better host, or better friend. So that's why it says, says the Ashik, Adam ki yakriv lashon yachid. When an individual has to bring a korban because they made a chait, they made a mistake, they came up short, they did something wrong. Mikem lashon rabim, idea korban yavia isha yachid, achaper al nafsho, yachaper al kol Yisrael. The individual is liable, they made the mistake, but it's an indictment of the community and the greater people because we could have been different. It's an enormous insight because it puts enormous responsibility on the community and on the whole, we bear responsibility. It's a total shift and a paradigm shift of how we should look at outliers in the community. Not nebuch, not with judgment, not with a sense of superiority. We should look and say that's a reflection on us. There are kids in the community who are turned off, who are disaffected, who are making mistakes and poor judgment. We need to look in the mirror. It's a question we have to take responsibility. That's on us. And that's why it says the Ashach, the shift from the singular to the, to the plural. The Degemachan Ephraim, who's the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, Degemachan Ephraim has another insight. When you bring this carbon, where do you bring it from, says the Pasuk? Mena Behema, Mena Bakar, Mena Tzon. What does that mean? From the animals, from the cattle, or from the from the flock. So the Degemach and Ephraim, the Einikel of the Bashem says, this is an allusion to the Pasuk we recite every Shabbos at Mincha, except for when we don't. Adam u Behema Toshia Hashem. Pasuk and Tilam Lamed Vav. 
which the Gemara Chulan learns, Al Osan Bene Adam Shema Rumim Bedaska Adam, Umisimim Atzmum Kebehema Adam Ubehema Toshia Hashem. A person who acts like a Behema, Hashem should save, should intervene and save. What does it mean, a person who acts like a Behema? A Behema, Afshain Ladas Klau, Yeshla Deem Wetas Lakir Ezad Varmichon Lahazikla. Animal is very low level intelligence, very low level awareness. The animal is low level. Yet, an animal knows enough to avoid harm. An animal knows enough to recoil and withdraw from that which damaged, that which could injure, that which could harm it. To run away. It's a natural animal instinct. When it engages an animal that's stronger, more dangerous, the animal runs away. Says the Degamach Ephraim, so a human being should learn. If we are so much more intelligent, so much more sophisticated, so much further advanced than an animal, and an animal knows how to avoid that which is harmful to it, how could we indulge in that which is harmful to us? Says the Degamach Nefraim. A person who sighs says, you know what? I want to dedicate my life to the service of Hashem. I want to be mindful and aware and focused. I want to be thoughtful. I want to be invested. I want to be connected. I want him to be a shachain, my neighbor. I want a relationship with Hashem. So what's the first thing? Listen to how he reads the Pasuk. This is a Hasidish Parsha perspectives. For some of you, you're, on, you're in heaven. You're on fire. For others, you've broken out in hives. But too bad, we could all use a little bit more chasidus in our lives. So listen to what he says, here's how to read the Pasuk. You ready? Adam ki yakrev mikem karbon lashem. If you want to be close to Hashem, ki yakrev, if you want to be close, mikem, of yourself, lashem. So what's the first thing you have to do? Min ha-behema. Liozar v'charad l'shmer atzim v'kodvar mazik l'nafsho. Stop being a behema. Don't live life like a behemoth. Min, rise up, transcend. Stop being a behemoth. Stop eating everything you see. Stop saying everything that comes to your mind. Stop indulging every impulse, every desire, every Yetzirah that you have. Adam ki mikem. You want to be karov to Hashem? You have a choice. If you're going to indulge the animal in you, if you're going to indulge the basis, the lowest form of who you are, you're going to be distanced and far from Hashem. If you nourish and nurture the Tzalem Elohim inside you, Mikem, the Tzalem Elohim inside you, Mina Behema, you're going to transcend and rise up above and be supreme and sovereign over the animal in you, then you could be Yakrav Mikem, then you could be Karov. Mina Bakar, Tzarech Lasak Betorah. The Gemara says, Menachem Zezeh Betorah. The Gemara in Brachos Nunvav likens. Torah scholars are like oxen that gore one another, that battle with one another in the Melcham Shel Torah. Mina Bakar, learn from the Bakar. Mina Tzon. Yichra Kodesh Baruch and Shechinte. Kodesh Baruch is the shepherd. See yourself as the flock, as the sheep, and submit and surrender to the shepherd. So homiletically, he sees in this Pasuk beautifully. Adam, ki yakriv. You want to be karov, mikem, you got to give of yourself. How? Learn Mina Behema. Learn from an animal. Avoid that which is going to harm you. Mina Bakar. Be involved in the Mechamta Shel Torah. Learn Torah. Minatzon. Surrender to Hashem as a member of His flock, recognizing He is, He is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. Acknowledge and surrender to Him. Okay, before we get to the next pasuk, I'll call Kabanech HaTakriv. Tell you of Shol Alter. The current Gera Rosh Hashiva. The Gera Rosh Hashiva asks a great question. We're going to get past the second Pasuk of the Parsha. <laughs> Just bear with me. It's a lot. Everything we've said today is new. We've analyzed these Pesukim every year since I was born. Just joking. Since we started the Parsha year. And yet all everything we said this year is new. And there's still, you could spend the rest of your life on this Pasuk. But we'll get past it. Just bear with me. The Gemara tells us, Adam ki akram ikem karban lashem. Why does he use the word Adam? What other word for man do we have? Ish. What else? Enosh. What else? Gever. What else? We have other words. 
many synonyms for man, generic man, not gendered man. Everyone relax. We have many words for generic man. Adam, Enosh, Gever, and more. Ish is what the Torah generally uses going forward. Yet here it's Adam. Why? Adam Arishan. Reminiscent, it should immediately, word association should take us back to Adam Arishan. And there's a beautiful Ksav Sofer, why we've quoted that in the past. But Chazal tell us why Adam Arishon. Chazal says something amazing. That just like Adam Arishon offered a korban and it wasn't from stolen goods, so too these korbanos. Chazal rule, one, one has to be vigilant. A person has to be scrupulous. You cannot bring these korbanos from stolen goods. You can't bring them from stolen goods. The Rambam quotes says, based on a medrash quoted by Rashi at the beginning of our parsha, Adam. Why Adam? Just like Adam didn't, didn't bring from something stolen, you can't bring from something stolen. What's the problem with that learning, with that teaching, with that derivation? What's the problem? Just like Adam, so to you. What's the big difference between you and Adam? Adam owned everything in the world. There was no one to steal from. He couldn't have stolen if he wanted. There was no one, nothing to steal from. So what do you mean? Just like Adam didn't bring from stolen, so too you can't bring from stolen. What kind of an analogy is that? There was no one and nothing for Adam to have stolen from. So too you can't? We can steal from so many. And there are many answers given to that question. But says the Geri Rosh Hashiva of Shal Altar Shlita, says there's a deeper message. In Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur, we end off Ne'ilah and we say, Let our hands be absolved from theft. This is the culmination of Yom Kippur. The climax of the holiest day of the year. At the holiest point of the year, Ne'ilah, in the peak of our tefillahs, after 25 hours of fasting, and we say, let us be absolved of theft. There are people who steal. Gemara says one of the three Averis, it's hard to not do each and every day. But do we steal? That's what's on our mind? That's our biggest, most egregious mistake? The Gemara Brachos, Daflamere tells us, you have to make a bracha before you eat. Why? Because if you reach in the cabinet, the refrigerator of your own home, food that you previously paid for, and now you're going to eat it without making a bracha, it is as if you stole from Hashem. Stole from Hashem. Why is neglecting a bracha like stealing? Why specifically eating? There are plenty of other sins you could compare it to. So here's what the Ger Rosh Hashiva or Shalalta answers. Tamachacham, Chazal tell us, Misachas Derech Eretz, a Talmud Chacham says, everything I own in the world is not really mine. Everything I own, everything I ostensibly own, everything it appears that I own, everything there's an illusion that I own, it's really Hashem's. He lends it to me. He gives it to me to use in service of Him. Everyone was put down in this world. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. Each of us has a mission. And all the resources we've been granted and given and every possession that we have is not for our personal pleasure. It's all in the service of Him. Now sometimes, how do we serve Him? Through our personal pleasure of it. Eat and drink and enjoy, get energy and rest to serve and return to our mission. It doesn't mean we shouldn't enjoy this world, but that's not the ends. It's a means towards the ends of the service of Him. So a person who doesn't say a bracha before eating because they lack awareness such a person is akin to a thief, maybe civilized, maybe law-abiding, may never take someone else's property, but they're stealing from Hashem because they think what's in their pantry or cabinet, what's in their refrigerator is theirs. But a yid, a Jew has to know that even what Hashem has given him is not his own. We're here in Hashem's expense account. and We're here to carry out our assigned task and our mission in this world. We're not trying to accumulate and amass as many things they can be our own. We're not trying to make it on some list of the wealthiest because everything we have really belongs to Him. And we have to ask ourselves between each usage of it, each time we consume it, am I using it properly? Am I using it in the way that gives Him nachas? Am I using it to fulfill the mission He has for me here on earth? And when we daven at the end of Ne'ilah and we say, we say, let our hands be absolved from theft, what we're saying is Hashem, everything you gave me in past year, all that you granted me, all that you gave me from my health and wellness, to the material and physical possessions that I have, 
to the income that I earned? May I not be guilty of theft? May I not have stolen to use it for my own interests rather than use it in the service of you? That's what we mean. And that's the deeper meaning of the statement here of Adam Arishon, says the Ger Rosh Hashiva. So beautiful. How can we learn from Adam Arishon? There was no one Adam to steal from. The answer is there was. Adam could have stolen by using what he had, not in the service of Hashem. Even in Adam Arishon, especially in Adam Arishon, the first created person needed to say to himself, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? What is my mission? How can I use this garden? The gun. Why am I in it? But what am I supposed to use it for? And just like Adam asked that question and used it for that purpose, so too we the same need to, like Adam Arishon, not bring a carbon from something which is stolen. That's why we're able to learn one from the other, says the Gera Rosh Hashiva. Okay, moving over. Perak Aleph Pasuk Tes. Turn the page. I told you we're going to turn the page. 546. Wash the innards and its feet in water of the animal, the sacrifice. And the Kohen causes it all to go up smoke on the Mizbeach. It is a fire offering, a satisfying aroma to Hashem. A satisfying aroma to Hashem. Says Rashi. What does that mean? A satisfying aroma to Hashem. Zakt Rashi, Pasuk Tes, Ola L'Shem Ola, for the purpose of a carbon Ola, Ishe Keshish Chateno Yeshokto L'Shem Eish, V'chol Ish Olashen Eish, Nichawach Nachas Ruach Lefanai, Shamarti Naase Ritzoni. When you offer the sacrifice, it will create a pleasant aroma. Hashem enjoys a good smell, a good perfume. My wife got, you can order online, some great, I don't get royalties. There's a plug-in, whatever hotel lobby you like the smell of, you can order the insert, and your house can smell like the Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons, if you like the Holiday Inn Express, whatever you want it to smell like, you can smell like. And it puts out a stickle spritz, every now and then, a little spritz, and you walk in and you go, wow, I just checked into a five-star hotel. It's Givaldic. It's an amazing thing. You can order it online. I forgot what it's called. You know what it's called? Centify. Centify. Sponsor next week's Pasha Perspectives. <laughs> Centify. So, is that the Rebono Shalom Lahav deal? Hashem says, oh, your carbon. Who doesn't like a good barbecue? The smell of a good barbecue? I have to believe even a vegan likes the smell of a good barbecue. I have to believe. You know how you know somebody's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> but you have to believe that even a vegan likes the smell of a good barbecue. So, Kirsch Baruch, that's it. Reach nichoach lashem. Offer your carbon, the ola, which is entirely consumed on the altar. The incredible smell, the great smell of the barbecue. It's a reach nichoach. Says Rashi. Hashem says, Nachasruach lafanai. Oh, gives me a nachasruach, a geshmach pride. Shamarti, I said, Nasaritzoni. Do my bidding. As the service comes to end, the, om, the aroma goes up in smoke and it pleases Hashem. I have spoken and my will has been done. Says the Yisod V'Shorosh Avodah. The whole Sefer Yisod V'Shorosh Avodah is based on this Rashi, is based on this Pasuk. Iker kavonos Hashem Yisbarak B'Briyas Ha'odam B'chom Masei HaMitzvos U'B'chlolom HaKarbonos L'Havda B'chom Masei HaKhol Al-Asos Nachas Ruch L'Fanav The core, the essence, the goal of all that we do is to give a nachas ruach to Hashem. It's not the smell of the barbecue Hashem enjoys. You know what He enjoys? That He asked us to do something and we did it. He enjoys that we're disciplined and that we have self-control and that we want to make Him happy and that we give Him pride. That's what He enjoys. Kedush Baruch Hu created man. That the greatest happiness we can experience is giving nachas to someone we respect. So that when our parent says, you give me nachas, or our grandparent, when our boss or our superior at work, when the big rabbi or rebbetzin that we admire say, you know, I'm so proud of you. You give me such nachas. That fulfillment, that satisfaction, that joy, it's greater than anything else we can experience. In all the management books, in all the productivity gurus and experts, they'll talk about how important it is to know 
forget Chapman's five love languages, but in motivating employees, you need to know what's their love language, so to say, what motivates them. There's countless research that shows, in fact, many more employees, more than preferring a financial bonus if they got acknowledgement from their boss. If their boss would say, you know, you did an excellent job. The shul dinner was outstanding, Jeffrey. You did a fantastic job. Best dinner we've had, thank you. Tired the global campaign, went without a hitch, thank you. Youth department, the teen department, all of that, I don't want to start leaving anybody. What you do is fantastic, is amazing, that was an incredible event, thank you for that. Do you know there's so many studies that show more than, I'm not talking about you give them a million dollar bonus, more than a Starbucks gift card is somebody stopping and saying, thank you, that was fantastic. That was a job well done. And when the source of the entire universe says job well done to us, there's no better feeling in the world. So Hashem wants us to know, nachas ruach. You give me nachas. You give me nachas. Nachas is not just something that your bubby, your zayda pinches your cheek. Nachas is not just how we end every bar mitzvah speech when we're trying to land the plane. Nachas, nachas is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, nachas ruach. The Sefer Yisod Vashor Sha'avoda is based on this Rashi. That the reach nichawach, the pleasant aroma is Hashem says, oh, you give me nachas. I need nachas from you. What does it mean that Hashem needs something from us? Can Hashem have needs? He's omnipotent and infinite and all-knowing and perfect. Can He have needs? Last week's behind the beam, a marathon. Is it over yet? It was four hours long. The global edition, we went four hours from 8 p.m. to midnight. Four hours long and we had on countless guests. And if you didn't listen, you could listen in increments. It's divided by chapters. Go listen to who you want. All of our guests were phenomenal. But when Ravai Waiwai came on, Ravai Waiwai Jacobson came on, I asked him this question. Because I said, my Chabad Chevra, we go back and forth on it. They say Hashem needs us. He needs our mitzvos. Hashem needs us. Say, so how could the infinite, omnipotent being have needs? Needs suggests what? Something's missing, something's lacking. He needs. Want, I understand. Need, I struggle with. Now, if you say it's anthropomorphism, he doesn't need, but we ascribe a human attribute so we can relate to it. So they say, no, no, he needs. Actually, he needs. Go back and forth and back and forth. And I thought, who better to be the final word than Rav Waiwai? So listen to last week's Behind the Bima. You can find it on our YouTube channel or any podcast player. Fast forward right to Rav Waiwai. But essentially he explains, much better than I'm about to, Hashem chooses to need. So yes, as the omnipotent infinite being, he doesn't need in the sense that we need, but he chooses to have created a world. He chose to have created a world that he needs our mitzvahs. What does that mean? Go listen and go watch. But that, Yisod V'Shor Shavoda understands this Rashi. That pleasant aroma for Hashem is Hashem smiling down and saying, you give me nachas. And we need to know He needs our mitzvahs and every mitzvah we do, when we don't feel like doing it, when we don't feel like being careful, we don't feel like going the extra mile to prepare for Pesach, when we don't feel like making that bracha with mindfulness, when we don't feel like being disciplined and not sharing that lashanara, He needs our mitzvahs and every mitzvah we do he has a tremendous nachas. Yishereach nichawach l'ashem. That is the whole thesis of Yisod V'shor Avoda, And a lot more to talk about, about that. Perik Beis, Pasuk Yid Aleph. Skip to page 550. Bottom of page 550. Any meal offering, a korban mincha that's offered, you cannot prepare it with chametz. Kichol so'or v'chol dvash lo so'aktiru mimenu yishel l'ashem. For you shall not cause it to go up and smoke from any leavening. Can't have soar, no leaven. And choldvash. And you can't have honey. What kind of honey are we talking about? Date honey. Not bee honey. We're talking about date honey, fruit honey. Says Rav Mordechai Zuckerman. I don't know if I ever told you. Rav Mordechai Zuckerman was a wonderful safer, Lev Mordechai. He was one of the last living students of the Chavetz Chaim. He lived in Yerushalayim in Geula when I was younger. Rabbi Brody and I took teen missions to Israel from our shul. Groups of teen that we would take to Israel. And we went to meet Rav Zuckerman. And he sat and he told our students stories that he experienced with the Chavetz Chaim. To be a link in the chain, to have met someone who met the Chavetz Chaim, ooh, tremendous. He lived in a little, a little, I don't even know how to hobble in, in Geula, the most modest, little apartment, humble and modest in name. 
He wrote a Sefer Lev Mordechai, and he says the following. He says the following. He says, Yudum divrei Rambam, the Rambam in Deo says, that the Derech Yeshara, the straight path that a person should live is, Wamida Beinonis, walk the golden mean, middle of the road. Don't be extreme. Don't be extreme. I was very blessed. I am very blessed to have a Rebbe, Mori Varabir of Shechter Shlita, and he would say in Shir all the time, and he lives his life. But the motto, be normal. Be normal. The Torah wants you to be normal. Don't do anything extreme. Be normal. Next week, we're coming out with our next episode of Out of the Shadows, and it's on OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And one of the people we interview, an expert on OCD, used to be a chavrus of mine, he's a rabbi and a doctor, Jonathan Schwartz, Rabbi Tani Schwartz. He says there's a phenomenon called scrupulosity, which is OCD expressed in religion. So the kid in yeshiva who takes 20 minutes to say Shema, or 25 minutes to say Shema Nasrai, may not be so virtuous and righteous and everyone should praise him. There might be a problem. And the world has come a long way in Rebbeim and Mashkichim and teachers being trained to be able to identify and step in when you shouldn't be praising and putting on a pedestal, but you should be intervening and getting help to someone who might have more of a problem. So I asked him, how do you know? When do you know? Maybe it's righteousness or maybe it's, how do you know when it's something that should be diagnosed? So he came back to, he was in cheer with me. Normal. If it's in the realm of normalcy, if it's normal behavior, normal for that community, normal for that culture, then it's healthy. But if something is beyond, beyond, it's not normal, it's an outlier to what's normal, it may need help. It may need help. So a person, whether it's kashras or taras or mishpacha, or how long they daven, and that's OCD in the realm of religion, it's called scrupulosity. It's an actual psychological diagnosis. And it's very dangerous. Because if a person's not sure if they locked the front door or turned off the oven, they washed their hand a million times, everyone knows that that's behavior which perhaps is outlier. But when the person is super scrupulous with kashos or taras mishpacha or Pesach, or takes an hour to say Shemona Esra, you say, ooh, ah, let's honor them at the dinner. That person's unbelievable. And that's when it gets in the realm of danger. And what's the differentiating factor? How do you know? The important word is normal. Is it normal? What's normal? What's normal? I once asked Rav Shechter, you know, the halach is you're not allowed to walk in front of somebody who is davening Shemona Esra. You can't become the barrier between them and the Almighty. You can't distract them. You can't walk in front of somebody who's davening. So the davening in the main base medrash at YU is not a short davening, which explains why the other minyanim on campus are so heavily populated. The main minyan base medrash is not a short davening. When Marv and the main base medrash would end, after a long shmonesra that waited for a shechter other rashi yeshiva, there was a guy who used to still daven forever. And looking back now at my time in yeshiva, there's no question that there was a scrupulosity issue going on. So I asked Rav Shechter, what's the halacha? Night Seder kept going. Person's still davening Shemun Esrei. It's 10 minutes, it's 20 minutes, it's 25 minutes after everyone else davened Marav. Can you walk in front of him? And he said, if Marav is over, he now has the din of a piece of furniture. He's no longer a person who's been davening. If it's outside the realm of normal, what is a normal Shemun Esrei, I'm not saying people who are a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but normal, normal, a little longer, normal, a little longer. He has the halachic status of a piece of furniture, you can walk in front of him. That was his answer. Normal. The Ramam says, the midah benonis, the golden mean. Normal, normal. It's not Rav Shechter. It's not Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Schwartz. It's the Rambam. And where did the Rambam get this from? He quotes from Avram Avinu. Ki acharav, the golden mean. The golden mean. And the Rambam writes even further. If a person finds himself, they've gone to one extreme, they need to go to the other extreme. To what? To bring themselves back to the middle. To ground themselves, to bring themselves back to the middle. Says Rav Mordechai Tzukerman, that student of the Chafetz Chaim that I had the privilege to meet with a group of teenagers, that maybe is what the Pasuk's telling us. Don't live in the two extremes. What's so? What's Saor? What's Levin? Inflated, ego, arrogance. What's dvash? Sweetness. Don't live the extremes, the golden mean. Go in the middle. Lo saktiri shel Hashem. Hamamutsu derecha Find that golden mean. Walk in that middle. Don't live in the extremes. And that, again, the karbonos are a curriculum. 
They're not archaic or ancient or old or outdated. They're not barbaric. Learning Sefer Vayikra is a curriculum. The symbolism, the deeper meaning, and the messaging for us, even in this law, that seems somewhat bizarre. So that's what Rav Mordechai Tzukerman says. Others look at Sor and Devash as elements of the Yetzirah. Don't contaminate the sacrifices, the Karbanos, with these elements. So what's Chometz? It's good timing. What's Chometz? Why are we searching and destroying and eliminating and getting rid of all this Chometz? Because Sor Chometz is inflated, it's puffed up, it's Chometz stick, it's, it's haughty, it's gaiva, it's superiority, it's arrogance. Toavas Hashem kol It is an abomination to Hashem, anybody who's arrogant, who lives a life with hubris. So chametz has no place in the karbanos. The whole purpose of the karban is karov. You want to come close to God, there's not enough room for you and God. If you're going to be arrogant, if you're inflated like chametz, there's not enough room. Watch dvash. Dvash is sweetening, external attempt to sweeten. It represents pretense that somehow you're trying to soften, cover up, make everything palatable to you. That's also arrogant. It's got to be palatable. It's got to be sweet. You can't deal with it. We're going to speak about, we finally decided our Shabbos Haggadah, Joshua, which, sorry if you don't live here, is only on Shabbos afternoon. No longer broadcast. It's for our local community. It's who we are. It's our personal time together. So our topic is Maror. And I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest a thesis that why are we eating maror on Seder night? A night of freedom, a night of liberty, a night of joy, a night of salvation. What are you eating something so bitter? Because I think that freedom is only when you can experience bitterness. If you need to sweeten your life like this dvash, if you need to make it palatable so that you numb yourself to any pain, you escape every pain, you deny every pain, you're incapable of experiencing and leaning into pain that you're not really free. The role of Mara at the Seder is the ability to experience pain, which we need to talk about. What that means for our community that's still reeling in pain, what that means in the mental health space, what that means in the addiction space, we need to have license and give permission to experience pain. Dvash, Dvash, this is a little preview here for those who can't make it. Dvash, and this is as far as I've prepared so far, Dvash is we're trying to sweeten because we're unwilling to experience pain. So you're not allowed to put sweetener into the Karbanos. The Karbanos are the way you are. The way you are, don't try to sweeten. Don't try to sweeten. Now, a few psukim later, we're going to get to it momentarily. No chametz and no honey. What do you have to offer every Karban with? Kol karbanachatavi malach salt. Salt, we imitate this every day. It's a mistake some people think. Shabbos. When do you dip bread in salt? On Shabbos. It's a mistake. You're supposed to dip your bread in salt every day. Not just on Shabbos. So, no chametz, no honey, yes salt. Why salt? So the Ishbitz, the Helege Ishbitz, the Me'ah Shiloach, I told you it was a Hasidic Shishir today, Me'ah Shiloach says salt represents Midas Hayira. A healthy dose of awe and fear of Hashem. How do you know that? He quotes Rashi in Vayikra. The bris melech was a promise made to the lower waters. When the upper and the lower waters were divided, melech more ayira. Salt, salt, separating the waters was an act of din. Salt represents yira, awe, fear of Hashem. So we don't bring a korban with ego, with leaven. We don't bring a carbon with honey, with the need to sweeten everything, but we do have to bring it with salt. Why, says the Ishbitzer? Because every mitzvah we do, every carbon, every gesture and bid and attempt to draw close to Hashem has to be flavored with yira shamayim, yira. As much as a shechina is a shachain, as much as Hashem is our neighbor, he also, we have to have awe and we have to have a sense of respect and fear of him. Let's skip right to that Pasuk. Turn the page 552. All your meal offerings have to be salted with salt. All of your offering, every offering, offer with salt. So the Ishbitzer said, why? 
Salt represents yira. You need to sprinkle yira into everything you do. Even when it's geshmak to be a yid, even when you're fabrenging with Hashem, even when everything is so lebedic and wonderful, it's got to always be tempered and moderated by a little sprinkling, by the flavor of melach. It's got to have a little, a little dose of yira. But the Teferis Uziel, Teferis Uziel gives a different pshat. You don't want to serve bland food. When a person cooks, they need to put in spice. Because if you don't put any spices, it's going to be bland, tasteless, literally. Says the Teferis Uziel, Beautiful teaching. You can't live a flavorless, tasteless Yiddishkeit. Kol karboncha takriv melach. Every avodas Hashem you do, every mitzvah, every yontif, every Shabbos, every tefillah, it's got to be, says the Teferis Uziel, lahatim es ha'avoda. You've got to flavor the avoda. Mita hishtoikikus, mita hislavus, mita bren. You've got to bring a a fire, an energy, a bren. And that's what it says, kol karboncha. Karbon rome is kol Hashem. Karbon is karov. Karbon is not just the act of the sacrifice. Karbon is the attempt to be karov. Bein esek ha-Torah, bein avodas learning Torah, davening, shar kol mitzvah, chesed you're doing, bekulan. So every mitzvah, every part of our avodas Hashem, every part of our Yiddishkeit, takriv melach. You have to make it flavored. It's got to have a flavor. It's got to have a joy. It's got to have a spice. Avodos Hashem darvzayin mitatam, mitachiyas, mitaziskait. It's got to have a flavor. It's got to have a life to it. It's got to have a ziskait. It's got to have a sweetness to it. And that is all alluded to and hinted to in this pasuk. Kol karbancha, every karban, every karov, every attempt to come close. Every Shabbos, every Yantav, every Mitzvah, every Davening has to be Takriv Melach. Sprinkle in some spice, some flavor. Bring it to life. Make a Geshmak. Nobody wants to eat a bland food and nobody wants to live a bland Yiddishkeit. Our job, our mission, our mandate as parents, as educators, as teachers is flavor the Yiddishkeit. Make it come alive with the Bren. It's got to be a Yiddishkeit that's spicy. A Yiddishkeit that's flavorful. A Yiddishkeit with a zip to it. With a little something, a little spice to it. A little spice to it. Okay, what should we end with? We have time for one more, but we have a lot more than one more. Okay, we'll end with the Rav Soloveitchik. Rav Soloveitchik says the following. Pasuk tells us, Perak Gimel Pasuk Yitzayin. Bottom page 554. Chukas Olam. An eternal decree for all your generations and all your dwelling places. You're not allowed to, in a carbon, consume any of the fat or any of the blood. No fat and no blood. Fat we enjoy. Blood we have no interest in. Torah still tells us you can't have blood. It tells us something we're repulsed by you can't have. All the more so, you have to be vigilant in things that we're attracted to. Says Rabbi while detailing the laws of the carbon shlamim, we are instructed about the prohibitions of eating fat and blood. The Torah is very concerned about our eating habits. The Torah says next to nothing about the essentials of prayer, but a lot of detail about what a Jew is allowed to eat. Prayer, so fundamental to our religious life, the Torah doesn't even explicitly tell us, and there's very few details of. But the laws of eating, we got a lot. A few parshios in the Torah that go through the details it's kosher, not kosher, what you could eat, what you're not allowed to eat. Why? Says Rav Soloveitchik. Apparently, it's easier for a man to pray than abstain from food. It's easier to come to shul and to daven than it is to not eat everything at the Kiddush. Even today in modern times, he writes, man finds it easy to apply himself spiritually much more difficult to regulate what he eats. He does not object to singing hymns or visiting a sanctuary of prayer. He's ready for cultic performance but he hates to be told that there are laws governing his body. In the Torah's opinion, it's impossible to hallow and inspire the spirit without including the body. Sefer Vayikra is known as the book of Kedusha. 
It's the book that details eating habits as well as sexual morality. Physical holiness must precede spiritual ascension. Why is the Torah here getting into eating? Because you can't talk about the soul if you're going to neglect and violate the body. A person has to be disciplined in what they eat. That's the whole purpose of kashras, is to be mindful in what goes in our mouth and what we say before and after and whether it's good or bad for us. We have absolutely destroyed and perverted the whole laws of kashras by producing terribly unhealthy but supposedly kosher foods. If they're unhealthy, they're not kosher. If they're eaten in quantities and at times we shouldn't be eating, it's not kosher. Kosher is not just about the ingredients. It's about whether we should or shouldn't be having it, when and how much, and when to stop, and when is enough. Because part of living a religious life is not just nurturing the soul, but is maintaining a vessel of a healthy body. And that's why the Torah busies itself with these laws even more elaborately than it does the laws of tefillah, says Rabbi Soloveitchik, much more. But until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Tomorrow, 10 minutes of Mesilas Hasharim, living with Amuna. Tomorrow night, we're going behind the bima with Eli Beer and Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Arts Girl just put out a book on Eli Beer called 90 Seconds, the epic story of Eli Beer and United Hatzalah. It was written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. The two of them are our guests tomorrow night. Have a phenomenal, fantastic, amazing day. Thank you to those who gave the Global Campaign. To those who didn't yet give, we're no longer pushing it. So just give so we don't have to push it.